I'm Alexander Ellick, and this is the Foxfire Podcast, where we explore shamanism, safety, and culture. Alexander was recently interviewed by the journalist Rebecca Rossman, and we'd like to bring you their conversation as a bonus episode. The interview begins with Alexander and Rebecca talking about the newest census results in the UK, where shamanism emerged as the fastest growing religion in England and Wales. We hope you enjoy it. I got contacted from uh, the conversation and uh, out of London uh, in uh -huh. December, and uh, I think the the census um, findings had just been pretty recently published, and people were still kind of combing through them. And then they found um, shamanism made this big <laughs> jump. I mean, it's still not a large number of people, but um, right. statistically, been, yeah, yeah, statistically, exactly, exactly. it made a huge jump. And the really interesting thing was, and I point this out to like um, my my colleagues and other researchers um, at uh, Birmingham, and I say, well, here's the thing, though. Everybody had to write that in. That wasn't a box to check. And and then the conversations get really oh, interesting, interesting because if you think like, okay, so, you know, Christianity or uh, Judaism or shamanism, mm -hmm. people might just check boxes, right? But they had to write right. that in um, both back in 2010, of course, when they got around 650 people, but also, you know, more recently for the 2020 um, results, which I think was like oh, 8,500 really people or something like that. So, yeah. yeah, so they had to write that in. And that that's, that's when things... Um, Yeah, kind of went off like a rocket, I would say. I would say. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Wow. So I did that article and that. That's gotten close to a quarter million um, reads, actually. And the conversation, normally people normally get like maybe a couple thousand reads, which is really good exposure oh, yeah? as a researcher. Yeah, it's really good. Their whole thing at the conversations about helping researchers kind of bring their work. Get in, their yeah, across, into the public. Yeah, and, audience, yeah, yeah, right. Explain it in a way that, you know. People can actually understand us. Um, so um, anyway, yeah, that that was uh, <clears throat> that went viral, I guess, is what I want to say. And then it just went from there up to the BBC, yeah. I think you saw or read, uh, listened to. Yeah, I, I listened to your report. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I thought that was a great report that they did. I mean, obviously what I'm doing, it's very similar, but a much shorter version. <laughs> well, different angle for, um, for sure. And a slightly different yeah. angle. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Um, but she really immersed herself in, in this, this, this Oh, Amber did a great job, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's also why I was asking you how you came to it because that's how I started my conversation with her as well. As oh yeah, it, it is because uh, for her it also in her it's her story to tell, not mine. But um, mm -hmm. but also she had a very personal connection to the yeah. topic, which is which is good because it's also scary for people like myself. A bit well, scary is a strong word, but this is a really controversial topic. Um, Yeah. And I've been in this now my pretty much my whole life. Um, so to me, it's it's wow. normal. And my people I work with mm -hmm. and my, my students and my uh, clients and colleagues, you know, this is just like our daily life. But for a lot of people, right. this is very controversial. It also can be very um, threatening, very confusing um, right. and things. And so that's also part of why I decided to go back to school to do my PhD um, so I could actually bring everything, hopefully most of what I've learned, you know, through all all the years into, um, yeah, in, into 
well, research form because people say like, well, you know, like show me or, or you know, bring the receipts, you know, like it's, <laughs> ni- it's nice what you're saying, but, you know, show yeah. me. And so I thought, well, OK, let's let, let's do that. Um, yeah. I think a lot of people, they kind of roll their eyes when they hear about this stuff. Right? Oh, indeed. That's, yeah. that's kind of the, what she was saying, you know, that's just a mis- misrepresentation. And even in the way, like how you were mentioning the census, she says these questions need to be changed, the way that they're phrased mm-hmm. um, and just the way that we talk about these things. Like, it's not just, you know, I don't know, go, um, just like sort of some sort of demonic witch thing you know oh, like i just think a yeah. lot of people come with these preconceived notions they come with a lot of what yeah yeah they come with a lot of biases and um yeah. fears and then there's just a you know there's a lot of stuff that's happened over okay. over yeah. the years that um yeah and again shamanism unfortunately in the west has gotten well, it's had a lot of trouble, I would say, especially recently. So also just as a practitioner mm-hmm. um, and, yeah. and now as also as a researcher, when I say shamanism, uh, it's it's mixed. A lot of people are like very excited. Some people are blasé and they could care less. And, <laughs> and uh, but I do get uh, I do run into a lot of host- uh, really open hostility um, really? about things. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Uh. I'm sorry about that. Well, well hopefully, yeah. that, I, that people will be more open-minded as the the research grows and as the you know the practice grows. Well, I mean, the thing is, shamanism is 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 here. <laughs> it is absolutely yeah. here. It has been here probably as long as uh, we've been humans. You know, to some extent, at some point, we kind of went like, oh, there's more. There's something bigger, you know, and we mm-hmm. we went after it, and probably since that moment, um, we we've been busy with this, so it, it's never went away. Um, you know, I I I came across someone's work work in quotes recently where she said like, "Oh, shamanism was invented in the 1980s," and I was like, "Really? Um, okay." So like, just a lot of misunderstanding, um, yeah, and and again, a lot of con- okay. confusion and. Uh, yeah, biases. But it's here. It's it's uh, it's in the world. People are participating in things. And um, my research angle really comes in on um, safe practice and also right. appropriation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are my mm-hmm. two things that I'm mostly interested right. in. So we'll definitely talk about that as well. Okay. I think I have Super. that in in my question. So, you know, like the regulation around it. Oh, dear. Right. How is, <laughs> yeah. how is it regulated? The question, the answer is it's not. But I can I can tell you more okay. about that if you'd like. So, but that's the okay. first answer. So, yeah. All right. I'll start recording you now. Okay. That's, that's all right. Fine. Yeah, all of right. course. Recording in progress. Okay. So now you know we're recording. Okay. Um, the first question I always ask, can you just tell me your full name, where you're from and what you do? Okay. Well, my name is Alexander Alec. Um, oh dear! And you've stepped right into where am I from? Um, I'm. That's a little hard to track down. I, I was born in Germany, where where I'm uh, recording from uh, today, and um, went to school in San Francisco. Spent uh, summers in Oklahoma with my grandparents, and uh, today I work in Berlin. And I uh, study in uh, at the University of Birmingham in the UK. Okay, perfect. sorry that so was long, and really complicated. <laughs> oh, 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 I've never even been to Oh, <laughs> it's beautiful out there. Yeah. 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 
<laughs> if you like rustic, okay. yes. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, I, I would love to go. <laughs> That's quite nice. All yeah. right. So the, I'm, I'm just going to ask you the, the most basic question, or maybe okay. it's not so basic once you get into it. What is shamanism? How do you define this? Okay. Well, again, that is that is not, that's actually really complex. Um, and I'll have to kind of break that into some pieces because historically it's, um, it's considered a survival-based proto-religion. Um, and it's been found um, in many places in the world, including Siberia and Australia and parts of North and South America. That's historically. Um, on a contemporary level, where we are like today in 2023, is um, people refer to this now as shamanisms, uh, plural, um, because shamanism unfortunately has has turned into a bit of a buzzword, you know, for marketing and, and things like this. Um, so that's kind of the both ends of things, so historically, but also uh, contemporarily. Um, but what um, the people who actually practice this, um, yeah, this is, they, they see this, or should I say we see this, um, is something that is um, a way to communicate not only with humans, but also with the spirit realm and also uh, the earth realm and the environment. And shamanism, um, I would say the defining feature in shamanism is uh, mastering going in and out of uh, trance states, or you could say an altered state of consciousness or awareness that moves you into an alternate uh, reality um, temporarily. And that takes you again either to um, the spirit realm, to the earth, or with humans. Um, and so shamanism is really the action of moving between these three realms through the method of, of trance. Um, with the goal to find a solution, solve a problem, um, restore balance, restore maybe harmony, I would say. What makes it a religion? Because I've heard people refer to it as like, well, it's the practice. It is actually not a religion. Well, if you, yeah, I'm not an expert in religion. I'll just say that right now. But it's it's not a religion. It's not considered a religion. And I think the main reason for that is that it is, it's, it's not organized. Um, the practice of shamanism is not only unique to each individual, but it's also unique to each area that it's practiced in. And then it's unique to the peoples within that area, um, or let's say tribally, um, you know, historically. It, it's going to be very different depending on where you are in the world. And if we go back to its roots as a survival-based proto-religion, then you've got all these different environments. So the people who are practicing in Siberia are going to be have really different practices than the people who are practicing in the Amazon and the jungles or in Australia, you know, in the, in the desert. So they're going to have different practices. The root underneath it is the same. You've got people who go in who are capable of um, moving into um, an alternate reality to, um, yeah, to help solve a problem. And basically that problem would be how to survive in wow. these environments. Mm-hmm. Do you mind telling me your own personal story of how you became interested in, in studying this? Okay. Um, well, as I mentioned, I, um, I spent my summers of my childhood in Oklahoma with my, with my grandparents. Um, and um, 
Yeah, and this is, I think, I, I learned the worldview from them. Um, my my school year was spent in San Francisco, so um, I went to you know, a Catholic school, actually. So I grew up with two different worldviews. You know, I grew up with a very westernized uh, worldview and uh, and Catholic, and I also grew up with grandparents who, you know, took me hunting and took me fishing and, you know, talked to the plants and talked to the animals and the stones and the elements and, uh, yeah, just helped me really appreciate the spirit realm and also, um, yeah, the uh, the earth. Um yeah, coming from that, I, I thought I wanted to study uh, Western medicine, um, and actually did that. I was I did my degree in pre med, um, but I came, became really disillusioned with how how medicine is practiced um, uh, today. Why is that? Yeah, what, what about um, it? Well, I was coming in right at the time where. Instead of like in my grandparents' time, you know, you knew your doctor, you spent an hour with your doctor, you know, they knew you, they knew what was normal for you. And they, you know, they, yeah, it was just a very different time. And when I was coming in uh, to, you know, do my um, medical school interviews and all, um, things were already reduced down to we needed to see somebody for five minutes. Um, we needed to treat their symptoms. Um yeah, and, and, and nothing else. And it, it was really, I know the people that were practicing were not happy about this. Um, at least most of the people I know are not happy about this. But And yet here we are in these circumstances, um, yeah, with things being very, very, very reduced and very, very, very symptom-based. Um, uh, yeah, I guess just things are very, yeah, but if I were to say are very... Very reduced, um, and and this already was a bit in conflict with how I had grown up, you know, because uh, my grandmother would not have called herself this, but she she uh, was a doctor um, and could doctor, you know, people um, very well, and so I, I really had these two again, this two different worlds, you know, and, and worldview and conflict, um, you know, with how I actually really saw people, which is, you know, as this whole being and uh, their spirit, you know, and, and um, their own, I would say their own journey, you know, um, their own purpose and why they're here. Um, and then in Western medicine, you know, I was confronted with like, no, no, you know, that that's it's basically, that's just a machine, you know, so we're going to just... Um, figure out the symptom and then and, and treat it. So, yeah. And, and again, that's very, I'm being really generalized with those two things, but that's kind of where I saw myself in my early 20s and um, decided not to pursue um, medicine. Um, the other thing that happened at that point was people around me started to really point out that uh, a talent they saw, you know, that I had with with people, you know, and animals and, and places, um, which I didn't see, you know, for myself at first, um, hard to see ourselves, of course. Um, but I, yeah, I realized at some point that I needed to um, get that talent framed and I needed to get it uh, trained uh, correctly, and it was at that point I went into um, a traditional training um, with traditional practitioners, which took me over the next twenty-five years of my life to learn how to wow. work with my talent. Yeah, yeah. it's a long time. 
It it <laughs> is, um, and and some places, uh, some tribes, thirty five years would be minimum. So. Um, for some, I'm a little undertrained, I guess. So, yeah, but it was 25 years um, to really be able to not only communicate with these other realms, but also to help people, um, you know, who come to, to um, yeah, come looking for, for uh, help and support or possibly even healing. Um, you know, at first, you're, when I was first trained, it was just really how to work with healthy people, you know, um, and then eventually people who were sick, um, and then eventually people who were on their, their spiritual path. And today I do train a few, very few um, people to help them uh, learn this work and also with the goal of them being then of service uh, to their communities. It's a long, mm. long training. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds like it. Um, I know that you 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 said this. Uh, you gave an answer to this with my first question, but just to understand for like a listener, I, I'm just wondering, like, well, I guess part of what that training looks like, and then just what what it looks like to to be a a, a practitioner of, of shamanism, to be someone that that kind of follows follows this. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, that what that training looks like um well for myself um was um going through a very intensive um personal growth and development um along with learning how to um well again master working through different states of awareness and consciousness along with um, actually learning to work with uh, different methods and tools um, and eventually on to, you know, how to work with um, taking um, a person or place or animal um, through a process, you know, to toward whatever that would be. So that might be healing or balance or um, something like this. So, you know, that's, that's it. So personal, uh, development, that's an ongoing work. Um, and, and that has, I guess, really a lot to do with, um, yeah, working with one's own, um, biases and ideas and, um, yeah, also learning to communicate well and all this good stuff. Um, yeah, I think being in, uh, really understanding one's own, uh, view and biases is important because, you know, just what our ideas are, our hopes are for working with somebody or a place versus maybe what that person really needs or that place really needs. And those can be very different things. Yeah. I just want to quickly talk about, you know, some of the, I think a lot of, from the outside, when people hear shamanism, they think about drugs and they Mm -hmm. think, oh, this is where you go on these retreats and you, you take ayahuasca and 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 that's kind of the main purpose. Can you tell me a little bit more about what the role of of drugs is in shamanism? That's a great question and really misunderstood in the West um because I mean even the question is loaded with how think drugs are seen. Um and the fast answer there is well these are not uh seen as drugs uh to begin with. So we've got a really different world view um yeah to start with. Um, I think that's part of the problem right there. Um, the other thing is things are being taken out of uh, context a lot. Um, 
So it's being seen as recreational drugs or so. Traditionally, if you were very sick, let me let me start like that. Maybe that's a better way to approach this question. Um, traditionally, if you were very sick um, and other methods didn't help you, you know, so other practices didn't help you, um, you know, working things out through your relationships didn't help you, um, and you were really sick, you might go to a practitioner who might think the answer would be to possibly work with ayahuasca or peyote. Um, and then there would be a really long arc with um, being prepared for that work, uh, being supported, you know, by your friends, by your family, because it's not only you that have to change, you know, it's also uh, the people around you. Um, let's say if you have an addiction problem with addiction or something like this. So it's really... It's, it's your whole environment that has to change. Uh, you'd go through the, the work itself, um, uh, which would be, you know, the, well, the preparation, but also maybe the ingestion of, of, a, of a teacher plan or substance. Um, and, uh, and then there'd be also support, you know, out on the other side to um, help you integrate your experiences uh, back into, you know, your daily life so you can really affect a change um, and uh, the thing that I see a lot now is people who hear about something like, oh, you know, Berlin, Friday night, ayahuasca, and there's a hope, you know, like, oh, maybe I can drink this and my life will change. But um, it, it's so much more complex than that. There's so much more work that has to go into it um, than just taking a substance. Yeah. Yeah, I think the uh, other. Mm -hmm, sorry, oh, so let me add yeah, one more thing. Sorry. I think the other mm -hmm. thing that's gotten mixed up here is that shamans take drugs, um, and and this has there's no base in that. Um, there are historically um, some some uh, tribes who uh, the practitioner may have ingested a drug to help them to go into trance. What we talked about earlier, like an all you know altered state of awareness or alternate. Um, reality. Um, but then again, they did that for a reason. Um, they did that for a purpose, and they did that with an intention. And, you know, they did that basically to help uh, their community. Right. What are some of the other, are there any just, you know, when we talk about shamanism, the other misconceptions that you run into? I know that's probably <laughs> oh, boy. just some of the, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, people hear the word shamanism and, and, and they, they hear one thing. What, what are the things they hear and, and what are like, why are they misconceptions? Oh, well they, yeah, that's big. Um, they can, well, for some people on a positive note, they, they hear a uh, hope, you know, um, yeah, that's, that's one thing that comes up. Um, they hear natural, you know, they hear, um, yeah, um, for some people, they immediately go into um, how very old things, you know, paganism and witches and things like this, scary, you know, things that are scary. Um, yeah, and then I think the darkest places they go into... Um, the noble savage, actually, you know, they're going to go somewhere in the world and they're going to meet somebody, you know, who's going to completely heal their lives and, um, you know, give them all the answers. 
Um, yeah, so I, there's a lot more to that yeah, <laughs> that question, but I would say off the top of my head, those are the the, uh, the things that show yeah. up the most. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so um, yeah, so if we look at how it's uh, actually practiced today, I think that's really interesting. And coming back to your last question about you know like things that people hear and they think about is, I think one of the biggest things I'd add there is that when people hear shamanism, they think if they practice anything than anything with shamanism or they were to like be interested or curious uh, or just attend an evening or something that they would be a shaman and I think this is uh, I want to break that down into like four parts for you because I think that's a very big misconception and for some people that's a draw you know like that would be in a dark sense that would be a draw like oh if I just take some drugs I'm a shaman that would be really dark and that's what people do a lot of these days um, but on the other side, um, yeah, people also get afraid of working in shamanism because they say like, oh, I don't want to be a shaman. And so we kind of just to clear the air here, I would say, um, yeah, there's kind of four different people who um, practice shamanism or even seek it out. Um, and the first kind of person who would do that are people who are looking to for healing through shamanic methods. Um, so, how, you know, that might be through ayahuasca or something like this, but it also might just be through, you know, what would be, look like um, mindfulness or meditation or grounding or rituals or maybe going to a stone people lodge. So they're looking t for healing for themselves, for their lives, maybe for their bodies um, through shamanic methods. And I think um, those people also probably wrote down shamanic on um, on the survey if they're really you know have uh, have a lot of experience with that um, there's also people who um, integrate I'm going to say shamanistic practices into their into their existing healthcare practice like psychotherapists and coaches and counselors and things like this so there's a lot of people who will pick up like a shamanic method or technique and uh, add that into their practice so integrate that into their practice. Um, another kind of uh, person is somebody who this is really their personal spiritual practice or their spiritual way. Um, so they do very direct uh, practices with shamanism. They spend time in um, nature. They work on their connection to the earth, to the animals, to the plants, to the stones and things like this. Um, and uh, yeah, that is how they pursue um yeah, their own, their practice. Uh, and then the fourth one here is, um, and th then you have shaman, and that would be a lifelong training and commitment uh, to work in service for a community. Um, and so those, I would think, um, are four different ways we could look at this. With the last one being a professional training, you know, if you're going to work with others, especially if they're sick. Um, so yeah, from, from people who come to, from healing to people who integrate to people who do this as a personal spiritual practice um, all the way to people who want to dedicate their lives to working in this way. Right. So it, it, it becomes quite um, broad is not the right word, but you can see how how this for like it has quite a, a wide um, umbrella in terms of um, people who associate with it, it seems to me. Oh, very much so. Yeah, very, very much so. Um, um, there's probably... I could probably broaden those categories for you a bit, but just to keep it brief, yeah, there's a lot. Um, yeah. 
quite a bit. And that's also a little bit of why I think it's kind of headed into the realm of shamanisms, um, because it's um, not well defined, not well defined at all. Um, And, um, and then people, again, kind of take the best parts of it, like, you know, hope and healing and natural and all this, and then they put it together with other methods, you know, and I ask people like, well, how did you get to I don't know, pick a term, (laughs) you know, shamanic yoga or shamanic Reiki or something. And they just say, oh, I don't know. Um, I don't know. So, Mm. but it sounded good. And that's, you know, that's where the kind of like a buzzword comes in. So it's really interesting as a researcher to look at, you know, why are people attracted to this? And then why, when you add the word uh, shamanism in front of something else, you know, what, what, what are people looking for? You know, what, what is interesting about this? I guess then on that note, why did why do you think we saw this in this in the UK census was the you know described as the fastest growing religion? You said I think it was eight thousand. It was more than eight thousand. Right, I think um, about eight thousand five hundred plus yeah. minus something like that. Yeah, yeah, up from six hundred and fifty ten years before. Um, right. Yeah, why? Well, that's a great question. Um, yeah, I, I think it's probably a combination of things. I think it's uh, from the people I've spoken to. It's a bit of dissatisfaction, you know, in organized religion, you know, um, and all. Um, and not just one organized religion. I can't say it's, you know, um, one thing that people are moving away from. Uh, it just seems to be organized religion in general. So a dissatisfaction there. Uh, but the other thing is, I, I think also with climate change, with the things happening in the world, with COVID, you know, it left a lot of people like feeling very disconnected. Um, and, you know, and at the other end of it was like, now people are looking for something, you know, they're looking for connection, they're looking for community, they're looking for something earth-based, you know, they want to heal the earth, you know. And the other thing happening in the UK is a lot of people I speak to are really wanting to like reclaim their roots, you know, on their own land and their own you know, their own place, um, you know, within their own, uh, their own culture. So I think those are kind of two things that are um, happening right now simultaneously. What do you mean by reclaim their roots, though? Uh, roots in, in Well, the, so in the UK, there are uh, historically uh, the, the Celtic uh, people um, and the Druids, for example. Um, and those are not... Uh, living cultures. You know, in America, for example, there's a living culture. If you go to Australia, Siberia, those are living cultures. Um, and when you're in the UK, uh, that's that's not a living culture. Um, and I, I've, people I speak to, they just are really, they've got questions about that. You know, who were those people? How did they live? <laughs> How did they live in balance, I think, you know? Um, and so there's a, a big interest in, yeah, I would say just finding their roots in in a um in a way that's connected to the earth and not um well not disconnected from the earth i would say that's oh interesting um that cuz i then it makes me wonder like is this something that can you can you pinpoint what's happening in 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 britain to like the West, <laughs> or is this something that is unique to the UK? And it sounds like, based on that note, you know, that is something that is a bit more, um, well, the yeah, U- unique. Uh, yeah, I'd say the UK is a bit unique right now because, um, like the people in the United States, for example, um, 
that's a completely different situation there because, again, there is a living culture. Um, it, it does become complicated, you know, because of um, the history in the U.S. Uh, with indigenous people, First Nations peoples. Um, it becomes complicated because of appropriation. You know, it becomes very, very complicated things there. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, in the U.K., again, there's not a living culture there. Um and people are are again interested in um, they're interested they're interested in the earth and and the plants and the animals and connection they're interested in community um, yeah they're interested in ritual again they're interested um, what does that mean you know to connect to to the spirits or spirit realm you know or to the to the earth. Um, yeah, why is that happening? I, that's a, I mean, that would be the question to answer. Um, but it seems from the people I've spoken with, it seems to be something very deep, you know, and people um, when they they meet me, I was trained in in the United States. And um, and that's I think that is a, it's interesting for people, but it's interesting, not so much like, oh, we're interested in Native American culture in the U.S. They I think when they when they look at me, when they train with me, let's say, or just, you know, talk with me a bit, what they start to realize is like, well, we want that, too, but not from North America. We want that from our own land here. That's what we want. So. Mm. So in that way, I would say it is it is unique. Right. Oh, really interesting. I didn't even think about that. Um, okay, so then l- I'll just move on to the next question. Okay. In terms of, and again, we, we've talked about this, I think, with some of your other answers. Mm-hmm. But in just terms of your concerns about, I think, regulation is the big thing I was thinking of. Right. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, it, generally, my my biggest concerns are going to be in safe practice and, of course, appropriation. Um, I think the the danger right now in the UK is that also with the UK's history um, is it's yeah um, there's a there's a danger there of doing more damage to indigenous peoples that that would be that would be that um, so I would say well you know people practicing in in um, in the UK um, need to make sure they're not mimicking other cultures that would be that would be important um and and also to know that to connect to the land and to grow up what they want to grow up that's going to take some generations to do um that's not there's not going to be any fast answers there um what seems to have been there historically um on that land for the peoples of that land that's been gone for a while now and those things have been you know those roots have been damaged so it's going to take time um to to grow them up so basically the people who are interested now would be really growing things up um for future generations, and I think that's that's important. There won't be any, you know, instant gratification here <laughs> with things. It's it's going to take a long time, but it's I would say it's a good work. You know, it's a very good work. It's just a long a long work, and the risk of appropriation, um, just importing things, you know, and misusing them is it could do uh, uh, more damage to First Nations people, and that's a, that's a big one. Um, so looking at another culture, like, again, looking to the U.S. or looking to Siberia, for example, or the Amazon, and saying, um, this is where 
we have gaps. I think that's a really good thing. And, and that way it's good to look at other cultures and say like, oh, you know, we don't have that here and we need to develop that here based on where we are. Because uh, what we spoke about earlier was that every everybody who practices shamanism is an individual and every place you practice is going to be different. And then like every group is going to be different or community is going to be different how they practice practice uh, shamanism. And this also takes it out of uh, religion because um, it is a religious framework, I would say, because it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, there's no central anything. I mean, other than the worldview uh, would be the central aspect here. So that would be that. My other concern really is uh, for my research and all is really about safe uh, practice for uh, for everyone. Um, and this what this has happened and the reason that I wanted to research um, safety and uh, shamanic practice in the West um, is as a, um, a practitioner and also a, a teacher since 91, um, a lot of people bring me uh, stories about um, how they've been injured, you know, how they've been hurt, um, being involved, you know, with um, shamanic practitioners or, quote, shamans, you know, or our shamanic teachers. Um, and it, it's gotten to be so much that at some point I just thought, well, I, you know, I need to pay attention to this. Um, and I didn't know what to do with it. I just sort of started collecting stories maybe 20 years ago. Um, and it just became more and more and more. And when, when drugs became popular uh, in the last decade, uh, there was even more stories of people getting injured. Uh, so, yeah, so I had a chance um, I met some uh, researchers at the University of Birmingham. Um, I was involved with a, a book project that they did um, and was able to write about shamanism and safety. Um, and when I got done with that project, I just I asked them if uh, they would, you know, like keep me on as a, as a Ph.D. researcher. And they agreed. And I thought, I really want to go into this and I want to see what's happening because um, – you know, in a First Nations or Indigenous setting, um, there's a lot, it's very complex, but um, people don't normally get injured. <laughs> it is a really different setting. And when, it, when, when these practices came into the West and they're here, you know, people say, well, it doesn't really belong. It's here. It's already here. It's already happening um, as a subculture. Um, people get hurt and they get hurt a lot. Um, so again, I started to look at these aspects about, you know, what, what, what do people think these practices are? What are their expectations? Um, you know, and, and also the people kind of, I would say, in charge, you know, are they trained? Uh, are they competent? You know, and all this. So this is the things I've been, been looking at um, for the last years. Yeah. Right. And there is no, is there a formal regulation system oh, that? You know, if I wanted to. That's one of my favorite questions. So let me tell you, <laughs> it's not a unified field of work. Okay. It is not organized under any regulating body. Okay. The title of shaman is not protected and it's not well defined. Okay. There's no advertising standards. Uh, there's no professional standards. Um, you know, and, and, um, yeah, and as a, as a as somebody who might be seeking out a practitioner, a teacher, you know, you have to really be very careful who you approach, you know, to work to work with. 
So, yeah, what can people do? Well, um, I would say slow down. Look at what you're, what you're, what are you looking for? Like, what is your intention? Um, I would say also at this point, you know, uh, talking to people, meeting people, vetting them is a really good thing. Um, asking questions, you know, and then going home with all that. You know, like when I meet people, I will talk. You know come in and they'll come in and tell me what they're looking for or healing or teaching or whatever and we'll sit down for about a half hour or so just to talk about things and then they need to go home and they need to think about that or sit with that a bit um you know i'd be really cautious with um promises and guarantees right i'd be really careful with uh hard sales you know um yeah i i really i would say slow step by step you know, and like with anything, if something feels wrong, it probably is. I think when we come into shamanism, we add in this the spiritual aspect. Um, and again, we get in this mix of um, hope and expectations, um, but also some fears, you know, like, okay, the person's acting odd. I don't, that must be spiritual. Um, and I think that, again, is a bit of a trap there that mm-hmm. you know just because somebody's acting different doesn't mean it's a spiritual thing um yeah so yeah if you're going to work with somebody um yeah can you work with them can you talk with them are they explaining things to you in a way that you can understand them i think that's important are they giving you things that you can go home you know and and work with um i think those are things that would uh yeah, really, really be helpful. Um, and I think one of the things that I is a big red flag for me um, is if you were to go like meet a practitioner or maybe call one or talk with them and you ask them questions and they say something like, um, it's, oh, it's too complicated for you to understand, you know, or you just have to come and experience it. Those are red flags for me. Um, it it is difficult to translate th- translate things from one worldview to another. It's true. You know, if I have someone sitting in front of me and they they want to get better, but they they think the whole, <laughs> you know, the earth's alive, and you know, the fact that I communicate with plants and animals and stones is a bit weird. Um, it's very challenging to translate um, that, that world view. Um, doesn't, yeah, doesn't necessarily uh, work. Um, so anyway, I would, I would say really slowing down, um, asking good, you know, questions, sitting with things, not rushing into anything. And again, I'd be really um, careful with, um yeah with with promises and and guarantees another red flag for me is like oh if you do the ceremony it'll change your whole life i can't say that i would never say that i don't know what's going to happen <laughs> i don't know if your whole life is going to change are you on a point that you're ready to change your whole life i mean think about that yeah. do you even want to change your whole life or, or did you just come because you wanted to hear some more about a topic you know um so these things so yeah i think that's about the best i've got right now for you no i think those are all excellent words of caution because i do think yeah everyone especially you know and in, in, in like a capitalist <laughs> you, you, you want to hear like oh well i, I just want a solution i want i want a one fit you know a one absolutely solution for whatever yeah. my problem is yeah 
And we're both coming, you know, this is, we're coming out of this uh, consumerism, you know, as, as a, as a worldview, I'm going to say, we're coming, you know, we're in this world that's based on consumerism. So, um, you know, there, sometimes people uh, that I can't work with come to me and say, well, you know, I pay you, you fix me, you know, and I have to say, well, that's, that's not how this works. This, this is really, um, it's really a partnership going into, to, uh, figure things out, you know, together. Right. So I need yeah. to know your story, which you know the best. And then I have my training and skills and my and my relationships as well. And hopefully all that comes together that can help you. But if somebody comes in like to me, and this happens sometimes, like, okay, here's a fee, fix me. I just say, I'm sorry. You know, no, thank you. <laughs> I have to send them home. Um, yeah, I, I, I get that doesn't that just doesn't work. Um, and and in that way, that is part that for some people that is part of their healing as well is to realize that they're also responsible um, in in for yeah for their their health, their work, their you know the, the things that they're yeah. trying to to uh, to accomplish. It's not something that's just transactional, right? Yeah. I, I'm. All right. I know. I said that was my last question. Just one more. Oh I'm, no problem. Just, it's I, fine. I know. I, I know I'm, you don't have a crystal ball here. Um, no, I don't. But just, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and a... my guess is like you're based on what we saw from the last census in the UK that, um, and what you're continuing to see through your research is that it, this is something that's only going to continue to grow. Is that your prediction? I do. Yeah, I do think so. I'd like to thank Rebecca Rossman for this wonderful conversation and for letting us use the raw recording. The Foxfire Podcast is hosted and produced by me, Alexander Alec, co-hosted by Annika Berman, this season's theme by Century Music. Special thanks to Kati Meaden and Christian Roth at GoYippee.net, Ellie Hale and Rhiannon Morgan at the University of Birmingham, and to the whole team at the Foxfire Foundation in Berlin, Germany. You can find us at foxfirepodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. If you visit our website, you can send us questions or topics you'd like to hear about. We also have resources and some extras. For our release schedule and behind-the-scenes pics, we are on Instagram at foxfirepodcast. Until next time. <laughs>